Chapter Seventeen of the Keynote by Clara Louise Burnham. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Christy Luther. Chapter Seventeen, The Air. Luther Wren gave himself the luxury of calling at the Copley Plaza the next morning, perhaps as a bracer for his afternoon appointment. When he sent up his name, he received a summons to come to a room on the floor above Diana's. Entering, he found the group he had left yesterday, minus Mrs. Wilbur, chatting and laughing before a boy's wardrobe spread out on the bed. As he shook hands with the boy himself, the lawyer looked him over with satisfaction. From the barber to the haberdasher, the lad had evidently been served well, and, though pale and thin, Herbert Loring II stood there a credit to his name already, and full of promise for the future. A wardrobe trunk in steamer size stood at one side of the room, and a fine suitcase beside it. "'Is everything all right, Herbert?' asked Mr. Wren, with a hand on the boy's shoulder and his eyes wandering over the variety of apparel laid out on the bed. "'Nothing seems to be missing.' "'I have—' "'I have blue pajamas, said the boy. "'And did they sleep all right, eh?' "'They did not,' said Philip. "'I had the other room, opening up off Bert's bath, "'and I prowled once in a while to see how the land lay, "'and the electric light was evidently too easy. "'He was always examining his box.' "'What box is that?' asked Mr. Wren. "'The boy was keeping lifted eyes on him,' not quite sure whether this dispenser of gifts was going to be displeased at the burning of midnight electricity. At the question, he hurried to a table and brought the new sketching material which had interfered with his dreams. Mr. Wren gave the boy's shoulder a little shake and laughed. "'They won't run away in the night,' he said. "'Better sleep and keep your eyes bright.' "'When do you plan to return to the island, Mrs. Lowell?' She was sitting with Diana by the bed, where they were sewing markers on Bert's new possessions. "'If your afternoon interview proves satisfactory, and you can arrange that we shall not be molested, I think we might go to-morrow,' she replied. "'Want to go back to the island, Herbert?' asked Mr. Wren. The appealing eyes, so like Helen Loring's, were winning him more and more with their trustfulness. "'I—' don't care where we go if he—if nobody takes me away from—from from Mrs. Lowell. "'You dear youngster,' said that lady, her swift needle stitching busily. "'Well, it is my intention that nobody shall, for the present. Of course, when these charming ladies hamper themselves with husbands, it brings in an element of uncertainty. What sort of man is Monroe Lowell now?' I suppose his wife is entirely impartial. Mrs. Lowell laughed. The finest ever, she said. But I see signs of impatience beginning to show in his letters, so I hope he will soon join us. Probably I know what you are thinking of, Mr. Wren, but let us not cross any bridges until we come to them. The right way is sure to open. The lawyer nodded. I'll let you have a bulletin as soon as the final farewells are said this afternoon. I hope to secure the island from further intrusion. 
Diana looked up from her work. Would it not be well to offer him money not to return? Philip, who was engaged in snipping the markers apart, spoke. If he comes, I can take the bone of contention to my place until the hurricane is passed. I am quite certain he will not go, said Mrs. Lowell quietly. Why is that? asked Mr. Wren. I must confess to some qualms myself. Because it is not right for him to go said Mrs. Lowell. "'My dear young lady,' the lawyer smiled, "'if that is the only ground for your belief, my limited observation of the gentleman suggests that he never has done anything right in his life, unless by accident. But no money, Miss Diana. Start that once with that individual, and you'll be purchasing something from him at intervals the rest of his life. I must be off. Good-bye, Herbert.' The boy started. He had been hanging over his treasures and handling them, oblivious to everything around him. This gentleman, who knew his mother, and had showered upon him so many benefits, was looking at him now with kind, serious eyes, and Bert became mindful of a little talk Mrs. Lowell had had with him this morning. He walked up to the lawyer and held out his slender hand. "'I thank you, sir,' he said. "'Good boy. I will see you again before you leave.' And, bowing to the others, Mr. Wren went out, Philip accompanying him to the elevator. "'Thank you, Mr. Barrison, for your good offices,' he said as they shook hands. "'Never had so much fun in my life,' said Philip. "'Made me wish I had half a dozen of my own, and the coin to treat them like that.' The lawyer bent his heavy brows upon him and smiled. "'Are events shaping themselves toward that end? That extremely charming young woman, who's been making you the slave of the lamp, is enough to turn any man's head.' Philip flushed. "'Any man's head would be turned,' he responded quickly, if he thought of her as approachable. Oh, some common mortal for me some day, I hope. But she's a goddess, you know. The young fellow smiled, and the lawyer still regarded him, and placed a hand on his shoulder. Never let anything like money rob you, he said slowly and with emphasis. Goddesses have been known to stoop to mortals before this. I think her parents would see to that responded Philip, laughing. The elevator came, and with one more nod of farewell, the lawyer disappeared. "'Fierce job he's got before him,' muttered Philip, as he returned to the dry goods, refusing to allow his mind to dwell on his new friend's surpassingly ignorant suggestions. Promptly, at the appointed time, Nicholas Gaine presented himself at the lawyer's office, and was admitted to the sanctum. His air of assurance almost reached the swaggering stage, and his you? breathed a suggestion of a fortifying beverage. Without waiting for permission, he fell into the chair near the desk. "'Well, are you satisfied?' he asked triumphantly. "'Yes, I am satisfied that the boy is my old friend's grandson. I knew you would be. Now, 
How soon do you think you can fix it up? Fix what up? The inheritance. I told you the boy was not mentioned in the will. I know that. But what's the law for if it can't get justice done? came the impatient question, and Gaines' chin shot out belligerently. It can and will get justice done, said Luther Wren slowly. But it will take time. Oh, of course I know it will, but you can advance money on a sure thing, and I'll make it worth your while as soon as the cash is in my hands. In yours? The lawyer tapped his desk with a paper cutter. Yes, I told you the boy's delicate. He needs care. I'm sure he does. It may take a year to straighten out the matter of the will. It don't need to, said Gain angrily. I've had the expense of Bert for five years, and I ought to be reimbursed and provided with enough money to care for him right until he gets all that's coming to him. Luther Wren looked for a silent minute at the dark, impatient face and thick, powerful shoulders and hands, and recalled the boy's panic. "'I have obtained a good deal of information as to the occurrences of the past years, as they affect Mr. Loring's grandson,' he said quietly, and his visitor scowled at him startled. "'I'm a poor man,' he blustered. I told you I hadn't been able to care for him right. If you would like, went on the lawyer slowly, to be relieved of the boy, I am willing to take charge of him from now on, for his mother's sake. For his mother's sake, sneered Gain. You know damned well that it's because you know you can get hold of the money that ought to be his. You have been drinking, Mr. Gain, and the reason I don't have you put out of the office is because we shall never meet again, and it is always well to settle matters out of court, if possible. I'm going to tell you, instead of asking a judge to do so, why I am taking Helen Loring's boy away from you. Lambert Gain's boy and my nephew, roared Gain. Where do you get that stuff? Take him away from me, after all the expense. Be quiet, Mr. Gain, or I shall have to forego my peaceful plans. I have a man outside prepared to take you, so it would be better for you to listen to me. Nicholas Gain looked behind him in angry amazement. What have you done for that helpless boy? went on Wren quietly. Have you endeavoured to have him properly taught and cared for? Have you allowed him the happiness, which would have cost you nothing, of exercising the talent inherited from his mother? I'm a poor man. The declaration came out with a loud burst. He couldn't spend his time like a nabob. No. So you took no pains to have him educated. You allowed him to be made to scrub floors and wash windows and do any menial work which a lazy, dissolute woman could put upon him. You allowed a creature like Cora to be his companion, caring less than nothing for the possible degradation of the boy's mind and body. Nicholas Gaines started up from his chair, purple in the face with surprise and fury. 
all this you did with the one single base intention of so beating down any sign of mental efficiency in your nephew that in time you could get the handling of his heritage. As the words fell clearly and concisely from the lawyer's lips, Nicholas Gaines' muddled brain worked fast. Where could this devil of a lawyer have learned so much in two days? The boy was at the island. It must be the women. That Mrs. Lowell. But how could she have connected Bert with Herbert Loring in the first place? And how could she, with her slight opportunity, have elicited so much from the dull boy and communicated with Luther Wren? Gain wished his brain were clearer, but, looking at the stony calm of the lawyer's face and the cold accusation in his eyes, he realized that the combination of legal power and money made it very hard in instances like this for a poor man like himself to get his rights. Now I will detain you only a minute longer, Mr. Gain. Herbert Loring II, as he will after this be called, is now at the Copley Plaza with friends. Gain started and seized the back of the chair from which he had risen, apparently for support. I shall provide for him as I think best. It is too early, as yet, to tell whether your criminal treatment of the child has worked permanent injury. Time, and the tenderest, wisest care, will be necessary to establish that. And, meanwhile, you will be left in freedom. We desire to avoid all publicity, and if you keep out of the way— and do not intrude and awaken in the boy brutal and sad associations, we may succeed in restoring him to a normal condition. But I assure you, if you even show your face near the boy, or interfere in any degree, you will be called upon to answer serious charges, and witnesses will be easy to procure." The purple had faded from Nicholas Gaines' face, and it was ashy under the sunburn. He opened his lips to speak, but no sound came. Mr. Wren touched a button on his desk, and the office door opened. Gaines started and looked toward it. "'I feel that we understand each other perfectly, Mr. Gaines,' said the lawyer pleasantly. "'Good afternoon.' Nicholas Gain mumbled something, and, moving as swiftly as his unsteady knees would permit, he disappeared from that office, fear engulfing all his other emotions. He wondered which of the men in plain clothes whom he saw moving about outside was the one who might have been his escort. Luther Wren took up the telephone and called Diana. "'Mr. Wren speaking.' An excited voice answered all serenity thrown to the winds. "'Oh, Mr. Wren, is it over?' "'Yes, Miss Diana, and very satisfactorily. I'm a little tired, and I believe I won't make you another call today.' "'I'm sure you must be tired,' sympathetically. "'I just wanted you and Mrs. Lowell to know that you may plan to take the nine o'clock train for Portland tomorrow morning,' with as much freedom as if our precious uncle had passed away from the planet. "'Thank you,' 
Thank you. And, by the way, Miss Diana, you may tell Mr. Barrison, too. Oh, of course I should. Do you know, I find him a very engaging young man. Why, why are your cheeks blooming so? Can't one say as much as that for relaxation after a nasty quarter of an hour? A soft gurgle of laughter went to the listening lawyer. I did not know you ever condescended to such play, Mr. Wren. Well, don't tell, will you? My best wishes to you all, and especially to Herbert. And tell him I shall come to the island to look him over in a short time. Do. Mr. Barrison will take you fishing. Is he always successful? Does he know just what bait to use? Another soft gurgle. You don't understand, Mr. Wren. He uses too much bait. He catches too many fish. Goodbye. My mother has just come in. She's going with us to Maine. A pause. She hopes to see you there. Goodbye. Before the arrival of the Copley Plaza contingent at the island, Matt Blake received the following letter. Dear Matt, you know the business that brought me to Boston. I proved my position all right. The old man's lawyer couldn't deny it. But the boy, not being named in the will, as of course I knew he wouldn't be, the lawyer said it would take a long time before he could get anything for Bert, and advised me to put the boy into his hands. So I'm going to let him run matters to suit himself. I'm asking you if you'll be good enough to pack up my stuff at the island and send everything on COD to the address on the card I enclose. You know what I found at the farm, but I've got to wait till I can get some backing before I can do anything about it. Keep it under your hat, though. You know what I left at the farm, too, out in the kitchen. Take that for your trouble. I don't know what I'm going to do next. What I do know is that a lawyer has no more blood than a turnip, and that a man can go to the expense and trouble of taking care of a boy for five years, and then be asked to hand him over to those that know he'll have money, without even a thank you for all he has done. I'm disgusted with the world. Your friend, Nicholas Gain. When he read this, Matt Blake looked off thoughtfully, his thin lips twitching. "'I hope Phil Barrison can tell me all that's between those lines,' he thought. End of chapter 17